And welcome to WDW Radio Live and the WDW Newscast. I am Lou Mangello, and today is Wednesday, February 6th, 2013. I'm here to have you help you have the best possible Disney vacation experience, bring you a little bit of Disney magic to wherever you are with this live newscast every Wednesday night, as well as the audio podcast, videos, blog, live events, my Walt Disney World trivia books, CDs, and more. You can find everything over at www.radio.com. As you can see, once again, I am broadcasting not from Walt Disney World this week, but the home slash studio, and I'm joined by my not-so-very-special guest. That clown right there is Tony Caggiano from somewhere in the frozen tundra of New York State. Yes, I escaped. Escaped from New York. And he's allowed into the studio because he brings Italian meats and cheeses. So, with that... And it's funny because it's true. Let's get right into the into this week's Walt Disney World news. Feel free to chime in only when appropriate. All right. First things first. Um, let's go from sort of the, uh, the theme parks to the small screen because a rumor has been confirmed that ABC TV, which, as you know, is owned by Disney, has given the go-ahead for production for a pilot of a series based on a Walt Disney World attraction, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. The pilot's going to be written by Jason Fuchs, who wrote Ice Age Continental Continental Drift and produced by Chris Morgan from the troupe. And the pitch, sort of the the elevator pitch story is, when a brilliant late 19th century New York doctor and his family are given a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to relocate to a frontier mining town run by a powerful, mysterious tycoon, they quickly realize that not everything in Big Thunder is as it seems. Insert dramatic music here and a picture of Tony Baxter. So uh, we wonder now how much we're going to see this series being related, not just to the attraction Walt Disney World and Disneyland, but this new interactive theming that's being installed right now, literally right now in Walt Disney World, the story of Barnabas T. Bullion. You know, is he going to be this New York doctor? Is he going to be this mysterious tycoon that they talk about in this pitch? How closely is the, the TV series going to tie into the attraction. How What elements of each story are going to be found both on the theme park side and is it going to translate into the uh, the story side? We And obviously now what we're starting to see, Tony, is uh, at Big Thunder Mountain, a lot of the interactive elements are being installed. There's signs, there's props, there's a lot of somewhat cryptic references to businesses and individual being added for a new interactive game, right? This is the new trend that we're seeing is this level of the cueless cue, the interactive cue. The story begins no longer when you get on the attraction, but as you cross either into the land or even the threshold of the attraction itself, we're going to see that uh, obviously now with Big Thunder Mountain, and it's going to be interesting to see how much of the attraction they're going to sort of pull or change maybe to sort of match what's going on on the TV screen. Yeah, I look forward to it. I enjoy the changes that they put and the additions that they put in like uh the Pirates of the Caribbean, but it seemed like they did that after the fact. The movie was a hit, you knew people liked it, and then they brought in. So I'm interested to see how much of this is going to be up and going directly related to the show, or is it going to be kind of, it can stand on its own and they create the backstory through it. But I I didn't get a chance, I was in the Magic Kingdom briefly today, I didn't get a chance to get over there and 
see it. I don't know how much of it is, if any of it is up and running yet. Well, none of it's active yet. None of, none of the stuff is actually active yet, but you can see, uh, and I think we talked about this last week, you can see elements of sort of canaries and cages, which is how they sort of test yeah. the air quality in the mines. You see uh, dynamite crates. You see uh, detonators. All these things that you can see are going to be very interactive, very tactile. You're going to have a chance to directly interact with the environment. And again, that story sort of begins there. So it'll be interesting to see what this story is going to be. Look, if the series even gets picked up, right? Just because a pilot's created doesn't necessarily mean uh, that the show will get picked up. No release time yet in terms of uh, when it's actually going to potentially air, uh, but it should be interesting to see if and when that does. Uh, Speaking of interactive and props, there's a lot of new props being installed for the Pirates of the Caribbean Adventureland game. We talked about this again last week in terms of these new interactive experiences coming to the parks. Now we're seeing things like the Crow's Nest at that far end where Adventureland and Caribbean Plaza begins to blend into Frontierland. That's been reopened. There are skulls on top of poles right near the entrance queue to, to Pirates. There are shackles and chains, treasure maps, uh, a crate for uh, Cape Girardeau Mercantile, whoever or whatever that may be, a cannon that you can sort of move and aim and fire at treasure chest. There's tiki's. They're scattered not just throughout Pirates of the Caribbean, but throughout Adventureland. And we talked about this last week. I've talked about this a lot in terms of what next gen, what these new experiences are going to be. And I think what I really enjoy is that these optional experiences, if you want them, really will help you not only explore other areas of the park, like Sorcerer of the Magic Kingdom does now, but really help you sort of peel back additional layers of the onion and keep that sort of story and uh, experience sort of flowing beyond the confines of the four corners of each of the attractions. Yeah, I love these new things. I like that, like you said, everything's optional, obviously, but it helps break the crowds up a little bit, I think. People are doing that, and it's it's nice to have people doing other things except going on the rides. I also like how they have the interactive cues like you were just talking about, I just wanted to say, was like Big Thunder Mountain needed something there. It was just an old-fashioned switchback queue. It's a tough wait on Big Thunder Mountain. Right. For If you get a 45-minute wait, it's a tough wait. Even Pirates of the Caribbean, you wind through the tunnels. There's lots to look at. Big Thunder Mountain was really old-school switchback queue, so I like that they're doing something there. I'm looking forward to the Pirates of the Caribbean um, game. Like I said, it sounds like I need to get over to Magic Kingdom. I was over there, but I didn't get to that side of the park today. So before I leave, I'll have to get in there. And take well, a you look hit at Casey's it. corner and you come to a dead stop, and that's part of what your problem is. You need to sort of expand your Fair horizons enough. to the citrus swirl and other areas. But uh, Jeremy and Utah said they recently shut down Big Thunder Mountain in Disneyland to incorporate some of those other changes as well uh, there, too. A lot of people, especially people with kids, seem to really like the idea of not just the game experiences, but the interactive cues, because kids and kids at heart forget to a certain degree that you're waiting online, right? You no longer, it's not, it's no longer sort of a chore to be waiting online. To a certain degree, you almost may be anticipating it because you have a different type of experience there. I think what we saw in Soren, in Space Mountain, very much the tip of the iceberg. And as more of this next-gen technology of the My Magic Band starts to get rolled out, I think it's not just going to be interactive. I think it's going to be much more personal. And that's when minds will begin to get blown when you are not, you're no longer just playing as an anonymous guest. It sort of knows who you are either by name. And I think, again, we almost can't fathom how far out Imagineering might be 
experimenting and exploring what this interactive, personalized use of the My Magic Band technology is going to take things like Pirates, things like Big Thunder Mountain, and even probably some attractions like classic dark rides that you might not anticipate. And they're also, well, they're working on the interactive queue for Peter Pan. That's up. That's something they're working on as well, isn't it? Or it's supposedly coming up, they say. Right. It, it hasn't but, been confirmed, but I think we yeah. sort of know, you know, the handwriting's on the wall. Well, these interactive cues for my kids, and I'm sure a lot of other people out there, it's as big a deal, like to go on Winnie the Pooh, it's as big a deal to go through the queue as it is to go on the ride for my right. kids. You get to the ride and there's no line first thing in the morning, we're still playing our way through the queue. We're still going through the cemetery at Haunted Mansion when there's no one in there. It's not just about making the time online, you're just taking away that you're not just standing online, but it's it's really an a whole and another experience for the kids, right? Right, and you're, adults too. I mean, you're adding another layer. Yeah, I think it's you're, an you're absolutely adding layer another layer of entertainment. And Pooh is a great example of a, a zero tech cue, right? I mean, there's really it's very very low tech in terms, but it's interesting how the kids and the parents sort of follow each other along as the kid starts moving from station to station. It follows along where where the adult is in line, and I was interested to see when it first opened how that works. I think it works very, very well. Now we're going to see much more hands-on, and I looked, I think, to a certain degree, this is also going to become much more involved in uh, your experience as well, too. I think the My Disney Experience app is not just going to be about making reservations, fast passes, wait times, maps. It's going to be an integral part, if you want it, to your Disney World experience. But we need to move on to much bigger, much more important things like Doofenslurpers. Doofenslurpers. <laughs> I think we all just like saying Doofenslurpers and soon we'll have to try exactly what they are. So there's a new Doofenslurper drink or drinks plural which have recently been introduced over in Epcot Center. I'm old school. I'm going to call it that way forever. Obviously named after Dr. Doofenshmirtz from Phineas and Ferb. Uh, these drinks are topped with a fruit sorbet foam and served in a souvenir Beaker. It's actually an Erlenmeyer flask, and they're available in three different locations and three different flavors. So you can get the frozen blue raspberry at Fife and Drum over at the American Adventure, the frozen strawberry at Fife and Drum, and at the Cool Post, which is over in the Africa Outpost section, right by the bridge, and frozen lemonade, which is not seen in the picture here, both at Cool Post and the Promenade Refreshment. Now the drinks are eight ninety nine. Served in your collectible souvenir Erlenmeyer flask. But here's your money-saving tip, like we did on this past week's show. Best dining values in Walt Disney World. You can also, if you just want the drink, if you just want to get loaded up with some frozen blue raspberry Doofenslurper goodness, $3.99. They'll give it to you in a plain cup. You don't get the passion fruit, fruit sorbet foam on top. But for uh, for more than half off, you could actually get the drink without having to collect the uh, mugs, but but I like this, Tony. Like I like the fact that it, it's the your your dining experiences, even something like a drink, are fun, right? We see the princess glasses in be our guest restaurant, of course, of which we had to get a set of four. But this is really cool, like especially kids who are are big, and kids, I'm looking at you, kids who are big Phineas and Firm fans, walking around with their Earl and Meyer flask, while other people walk around with a yard of beer. Uh, they're they're and I don't mean the kids, I mean the adults will be walking. Uh, I think it's really cool that they're sort of making fun stuff like this happen. Yeah, and even like the the mugs that they serve at Gaston's. My kids, they loved Beauty and the Beast. They weren't a huge Gaston fan, but there was something nice about the four of us sitting in Gaston's tavern, drinking out of the mugs. It was 
it was a little of a memory for us. It was an experience. And those mugs are out and running around my house every day. The kids love them. <laughs> and the beaker, like, who, who knew? You know, you Googled Erlenmeyer flask. Listen. That's like, you're not a scientist. So it's a, let's call it a beaker. Who's going to go? But Earl anyway, yeah, my kids will, I can just see my kids are going to be running around and sitting at the dinner table <laughs> drinking out of an Erlenmeyer flask. <laughs> you're never going to forget that now, though, are you? <laughs> and I'm going to say it 15 and I have times a feeling. I have a feeling with our six-year anniversary show coming up this weekend, which is part of the reason why you're here, other than the, the fact that I ran out of salami and mozzarella, uh, I have a feeling there will be an Erlenmeyer flask or six. I'm going to request all of my drinks in an Erlenmeyer flask. <laughs> so... Moving on past the uh, the Doofin Slurper, uh, there was some big news that came out um, this past week and really in the past few days that I sh- think shocked a lot of people that never saw this coming. And no, it was not the release of the, the Doofin Slurper. It was that Senior Vice President of Creative Development at Walt Disney Imagineering, uh, Tony Baxter, announced his retirement. He announced it on Thursday. It was effective Friday. However, he did say he was going to remain on as a consultant for Walt Disney Imagineering. As I'm sure you know, he had a 47-year career with Disney. He is the guy that lived the dream, right? He was hired in 1965 to scoop ice cream on Disneyland, in Disneyland on Main Street at the age of 17. He goes on to work on things like Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, right? Because he had worked with Mark Davis on what was going to be this redesign of, of Thunder Mesa here in Frontierland at Walt Disney World. He obviously creates Splash Mountain, Journey to Imagination, uh, Disneyland Paris, a big, big part of that, Star Tours, Indiana Jones, redesigning of Tomorrowland out in Disneyland, Finding Nemo Submarine Voyage, reopening of Captain EO, redesign of Star Tours, you know, his legacy with this company. I mean, he sort of really solidified himself as one of that next generation of legendary Imagineers, right? You've got the Sklars and the Tensios and the Davises, and now you've got clearly uh, someone who's going to be a first ballot kind of Disney legend honoree, Tony Baxter. Uh, it, it was interesting yet very diplomatic how he did it. He did publish his letter that he did send out to Walt Disney, uh, not Walt Disney himself, but Walt Disney Imagineering, saying that, that, that no company is perfect. Um, you know, he acknowledges no company is perfect like any other co- corporation. There's politics, there's challenges, but we are artists, musicians, engineers, filmmakers, and the company itself, though, is unique. There's no other place like it on Earth. He says we're lucky. And at the end of the day, it's my hope that this letter is going to add to the special culture that he's been privileged to grow in. And, I, and look, I had a chance to um, dream come true, right? Meet Tony Baxter, interview him on the show. And you talk about not just a brilliant, but a humble guy in terms of what he's done, his contributions. Again, some of the attractions he worked on are sort of a, a who's who of these attractions from the early 80s through the 2000s. Some of the most popular to this day attractions like A Star Tours, A Journey to Imagination and Indiana Jones. He talked about uh, the importance of team, but he also, you know, he was a very real person. He he sort of lamented the loss of things like the original Journey to Imagination. He acknowledges all the time that the company isn't perfect. He, there are things he'd like to see changed. But I, I think the way he went out was um, it was very classy um, in, in a really nice way. And I, and I, I like the fact, too, that he is going to stay on to still consult with the company as well. Yeah, he's always going to be part of the company in 
just with the legacy that he's left behind, basically. And after 47 years, started when he's 17, I almost can't even fathom that duration to being for that amount of time with one company. Granted, it's Walt Disney, a dream job, but it's a lot of work. It's still, yeah. no matter what you do, if you do it well, it's going to be work. You're going to have to work at it. And after 47 years, he certainly earned it. And Jeremy Utah, a great point. Uh, Tony did and still does focus on Walt's legacy. He very much never, ever lost sight of that. And I think a lot of the decisions, you're right, Jeremy, he made were with that idea of what Walt would have wanted, what his legacy was meant to continue doing. So what do you think maybe was his greatest contribution? If, when you think of Tony Baxter and you close your eyes, I know you want to give him a hug, but what is sort of what do you think is his greatest single contribution? Is it Big Thunder? Splash Mountain, uh, Star Tours, um, Indiana Jones. I mean, a lot of these are very much, you know, they have the fingerprints of Tony Baxter all over them. I think that what he's really left behind was his greatest contribution would be great rides with great story. I mean, if you look at the list of rides that he's contributed on and really was the man to make them happen, Big Thunder Mountain, um, Splash Mountain, just great story, great immersive rides. It wasn't it was wasn't a simple these aren't simple stories, simple ride throughs. These are very elaborate and just incredible stories. And people in the chat room are are, are <clears throat> very much acknowledging that, right? So his great how can you choose just one, right? There, there's so much that he's done. Epcot was his big contribution. Telling story is his greatest contribution. That that idea of everything has always got to revolve around story. And, and I want you guys to go back, listen to my interview with Tony. Uh, I was able to sit down with him one-on-one. -on -one. Show number 289, that was from uh, late August of this past year, 2012. I'll put a link to it in the show notes as well as the video that I shot sitting with Tony. It was one of those things that uh, the only problem with the interview was there was a finite amount of time because we could have spent two hours talking about Journey to Imagination, talking about Walt, talking about his early career. But I think that Many of you are right. Uh, the Tony Baxter is greater than the sum of each of, of his contributions, and I think he will definitely be remembered for that. I think that's what his legacy is going to be. It's not necessarily a single attraction, a single vehicle, a single story, but sort of the, the scope and the breadth of his work. But speaking of being Disney fans, and, uh, and we're going to talk about some of the events and things that are coming up, like our six-year anniversary show this weekend, which I'm both excited and a little bit frightened for. Uh, the uh, tickets for the next Disney anniversary celebration went on sale this past February 5th. The event is once again going to travel to 10 U.S. cities, including here in Orlando. They're going to stop at Walt Disney World and have an event at the Atlantic Dance Hall on Disney's Boardwalk on March 8th. And the anniversary, like they had last year, really celebrates the history of the Walt Disney Company not just the theme parks not just the movies not just the um, but TV shows but sort of the entire scope of the Disney Company's legacy so this year they're going to celebrate some of those landmark birthdays like Peter Pan uh, obviously we know the Diamond Platinum Super Ultra Edition DVD just came out Horizons would be celebrating a birthday this year. Very interesting what they might do here at Walt Disney World. Chip and Dale, Disney Channel. So all of you uh, Darkwing Duck, Rescue Ranger people could get very... I'm thinking Walt Disney World Inside Out. That was my show. Brianne Leary, call me. Uh, Disney Cruise Line, Disney's Animal Kingdom also celebrating a birthday. Also the 90th anniversary of the Walt Disney Company and the 85th birthday of Mickey Mouse. Like they did last year, they show a lot of behind-the-scenes stories, 
rare film footage, photography. They do a lot of panels, a lot of great interviews with Disney legends that are there. And the great thing about this, Tony, is D23, I think, is continuing to do what they set out to do, which is form a community, right? And by doing so, they don't just restrict the events anymore to Walt Disney World and Disneyland because they recognize that not everybody can get out there. You need to bring the events to where the people are. So they have these fan anniversary events. They're going to go to Boston, L.A., San Diego, Seattle, Chicago, San Francisco, Phoenix, Newark, <laughs> and Washington, D.C. Um, in Orlando, there's going to be two sessions on March 8th, March 8th 10 a.m. and 2.30 p.m., Tickets are not very expensive. Uh, they're $21 a piece for D23 members. If they uh, if they don't sell out to D23 members, tickets are $35 for general admission and are going to be available at 1 p.m. on February 12th. And you can visit D23.com. I'm going to ask the people who are listening live or who are maybe listening or watching um, on the tape version, you've been to any of the fan anniversary events? Yeah, we went last, last year. We went to New York City, and it was fun. We had a... I know you weren't able to make it up. We had a WDW radio get together right. and um, we had a blast. There was a lot of people there. It was amazing the turnout for it. And it's a great event too, because I think, I think especially guys like Steve Vagnini really did a good job of digging deep into the archives, right? It was like a D23 expo event in terms of sort of peeling back layers of the curtain and letting us feel as though they've brought out stuff or people that are very special and exclusive for us. And the fact that they can take this on the road is a testament to the fact that the Disney experience does not need to be confined to a place. It's about getting these like-minded people together as part of a fan community. And I think that's what these sort of relatively low-cost ticket events are able to do. Yeah, it was terrific. They were, I think last year might have even been less than it was this year. It was, it was almost nothing, $20. Right. And... It was a great show. I mean, they really put on a nice show. It was everything you said. It, it really made you feel like they were there for us, and they brought the show to us, and it was nice. I think a lot of people appreciate the fact that Disney came to them. I think that right. went a long way for D23, and it was it was great to meet up with people. A lot of people we knew through the community. Some people we didn't, and got together. A group of us went out to dinner afterwards. It was just a nice day. It was nice to, and it was nice to do that. Just as without the production of a vacation, right? It was right. right there at home. One day, a great event. So it's interesting to watch. I'm watching people in the chat room saying, "Hey, oh, you're going to the Boston one. I'm going to go to the Boston one too. Let's get together." That's what this is meant to foster, right? This is meant to foster this type of, of friendships. Uh, people are saying. Uh, so Becky from Mouse Fan Travel says it was a great gathering here in Seattle. Lots of info we hadn't seen at other events that year. Mm -hmm. That was the difference. And I know when we were in. Orlando, I says, oh, is this going to sort of be a rehashing of what we've seen at other events? And it's not. You feel as though you as a D23 member or as an attendee are getting sort of a special privilege to see things that you would not be able to see otherwise. And, and I think that's what D23 is really doing very, very well. And I think it's also going to get people very excited for the D23 Expo, which is coming up this August 9th through the 11th. We're going to be there, us collectively, us, you. We're going to have another booth there, again, with Mouse Fan Travel. Got a lot of fun stuff uh, in store. And, and again, like we've done for the last two expos, I'm going to bring it all to you live all three days, August 9th through 11th. We'll have more information as we get closer to that. So my question for you, if you're watching live or you're watching or listening uh, on YouTube or on the W Radio blog or in the feed, are you going to any of the D23 destination 
fan sorry, the anniversary events this year. Is it enough for you to maybe make a trip to one of these towns? Or if it's in your town, is this something that you're really excited to see? Have you ever attended before? What did you think? Would love to hear your comments below in the chat again, either uh, on YouTube or on the WW Radio blog. Let us know if you're attending one of the anniversary events, if you've attended before, and what it is maybe that, that's drawing you out there, right? Is it the subject matter? Is it the celebration of history? Or is it just... The, the, the hunger for Disney content and the sense of Disney community, the sense of belonging to this fan group and getting together with like-minded people for sort of a, sort of a mini expo in your own hometown. Yeah, I, what, I think that it was a little bit of everything for the people that came there. They enjoyed seeing different things. I think one thing that everyone seemed to say, and I know how if it was this way for me, is when they came out and they would show you something that had either never been seen before or something that was ju was created just for the D23 members. I think as members who as member as a member of D23, people are passionate about it and they put a lot of time into it and they spend money and I think it's nice it was like giving back to them. Right. Really to be able to know that you're a D23 member and this is why it's special. This is why it's right. nice to be a D23 member. This is why it's special because no one's ever seen this footage and no one else will because this is where it is. Membership membership has its privileges. I've heard, that, I've heard that somewhere before. All right. Anyway, so hopefully uh, I'm actually going to go to the one here in Orlando. Uh, I believe I'm going to the 10 a.m. session on March 8th. So hopefully we'll see. Maybe maybe we'll have sort of a little WW Radio meetup around the anniversary event uh, in March. But speaking of special events, don't forget that this Saturday, I can't believe it's been a year already. February 9th is going to be the six year anniversary celebration of WDW Radio and we're going to bring it to you live from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. You have you have written in suggestions about what we should do, sort of our little group, me, Tony, Glenn, Scott, Becky, if she can make it out there. Of course, the lovely Christy Visaki, the mastermind behind this, is going to be there as well. You can follow along in our adventures by visiting www.radiolive.com. You can watch it live there. And if you're in Epcot Center, Join us for the meet of the month at 4 p.m. at the Electric Umbrella. A lot of surprises. You know, we've got lots of announcements. We've got, if it comes in in time, we've got lots of cool stuff to give away, too. <laughs> uh, so if you can't make it there, definitely tune in. We're going to have information about the Walt Disney Family Museum trip, Alani, and our cruise in the Disney Fantasy, and then some. And then some. As Christy said here in the, in the chat, oh, the fun, the surprises, <laughs> the embarrassment. <laughs> it should be. It is going to be a great time. And listen, don't forget, too, to come by. Visit the website over at WDWRadio.com. We have a number of wonderful guest posters creating lots of great blog content every day, videos. You can subscribe to our free email newsletter to get special offers, exclusive content and discounts, news, updates, and more comment and subscribe over on our YouTube channel as well. Connect with me on Twitter. I am at Lou Mangiello and like the Facebook page, facebook.com slash WDW Radio. While you're there too, you can download the free WDW Radio app for your iPhone or your Android device. And please come by, rate and review the show in iTunes as well. This guy is Tony Caggiano. You are at Tony Cag at on the Tony Twitter. Cag on the Twitter. On the Twitter. The I'm on the Twitters. There's, there's not that many Tony Caggianos. Search him on Facebook and you'll find him there too. 
You'll also see him in many different stages of disarray probably <laughs> this Friday. Tony, thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you for bringing the fresh or somewhat fresh mozzarella that you got through TSA. Thanks to all of you who are tuning in live tonight or are listening to the uh, the audio in iTunes or the video on YouTube or the blog. Appreciate you taking time out of your week every week. Join us next Wednesday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern over at www.radiolive.com. Love to hear from you on the comments or shoot me an email. Connect with me over on Twitter or the Facebook. So until then, have a great week, everybody. See ya.